The Cincinnati Reds will only go as far as their pitching will take them, and all reports out of camp are good. Well, when it comes to today's show, get ready for some Cincinnati Reds optimism. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Aloha. Welcome to the Friday Live Aloha edition of Locked On Reds. You are Locked on Reds. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms because we are your team every single day. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and we are diehard baseball fans and we have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We have taken our love of the game, our passion for baseball, and we have turned that passion into information for you on today's podcast we are going to continue to talk pitching 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 as we talk about which pitchers have looked good out in arizona so far and there's a lot to be excited about out in goodyear right now i'm not even going to be able to contain jeff you guys it's going to be out of control uh there's nothing i can do about it so buckle up and then we're going to tell you what the fip is going on did you see what i did there it's going to be a fun episode, folks, and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel is the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Jeff, we've been talking about pitching, and it's not just us that's talking about pitching. All of the beat writers that are out in Arizona right now have been talking about the pitching because uh, coming into this season, we knew this was a big question mark. We knew there were a lot of jobs to be had and we knew guys were going to be battling to pick up those spots and make the major leagues right out of camp. And it looks like uh, the competition is paying off. Guys are working hard. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. And just get ready. This is uh, one of the first doses of the spring training season of Reds Optimists Anonymous. We are ready to go with the good feelings because we talked a lot about the open jobs. We talked a lot about the guys who are competing for the four and the five spot and things like that. What we haven't really talked a lot about, and I think it's just because most people understand this, is that the top three guys who drive this team, what they're doing in spring training is even more important than who's going to be pitching in the four and five spot in the rotation. And thanks to Bobby Nightingale, who gives us lots of updates, whether you're talking about in the inquire or over on post, which I think is a new social media thing that whenever Twitter finally dies, you can go to post and check out what Bobby's writing. Uh, but he's got a lot of great observations and a lot of it is, you know, live batting practice, whether you've got Will Myers or Joey Votto, or whoever is stepping in the batter's box and you've got, the top pitchers, which I don't think Joey Votto stepped in just yet. I think he's still working his way up to that, but there's been a lot of great stuff. And I start here with this, with your favorite guy, an observation about Nick Lodolo. He said this, he says, you know, and this is Bobby's uh, writing. He says, you know, a pitch is filthy when a veteran hitter, Will Myers, watches it cross the heart of the plate, turns his head as he steps out of the batter's box and shouts, oh my God. That's the Nick Lodolo experience. Nick is ready. Uh, sign Steve him up for ready. the Cy Young. 
already. I think he's going to be, I, I think Nick Lodolo is going to be in the Cy Young competition uh, or conversation rather uh, this entire year. You know, you've talked about Hunter green and I know that uh, at some point, uh, either this week or last week, we talked about some of the futures bets over on FanDuel as far as Cy Young Awards go. And uh, we've talked about Nick Lodolo's odds. We've talked about Hunter Green's odds. But I just I have a feeling that Nick Lodolo uh, is going to come out of the gate on fire. He's not going to want to be left behind. We've talked about these young pitchers push, pushing each other and how Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo will push each other to be better. And I think yeah. we're going to see that right out of the gate. I think Lodolo is going to be the opening day starter. And I think it's going to be a fun, fun season, at least when we're talking about the first three guys in the rotation. Yeah. It's when you look at Nick Lodolo and, and he even had another note in here. He's just like Lodolo looked unhittable for different portions of uh, the live batting practice session. He was talking about that. There was a hitter that just laughed whenever he saw where he stifled a laugh whenever he saw that breaking ball come across the plate, because it's just like, what are you supposed to do with it? That sweeping breaker that comes from that left-hand slot that he delivers and hits you in the back foot, but you think you're supposed to swing at it because, well, you are because it hits the strike zone, and it just breaks so crazy. Like, hearing these reports are so encouraging, and especially, and, and we're going to talk about this here in just a moment, but especially when you look at the fact that the Reds have a lot of guys this weekend that are going to be ran out onto the mound to get some pitching work in who all have prospects on actually pitching in the major leagues this year. And, and that's the, that's probably one of the things I'm more excited about than anything else is watching these spring games sometimes becomes a exercise in patience when you, you're in the sixth or seventh inning and you know that guys on the field right now are going to be nowhere near the major leagues. And that's right. going to be so different this year because whether we're talking about starting pitchers or relief pitchers, all of these guys are pitching for a job. And I think it's just going to make for better baseball in spring training. I think with the hitters, we'll see a lot of hitters in late innings that don't really stand a chance that are just getting work in and, and giving guys time off. But pitching wise, uh, there's going to be fun pitching to watch during these spring games. It's, you know, I'm, I'm excited to fire up. I mean, there's live baseball on right now today. So uh, not the Reds, but there's live baseball coming from spring training on MLB TV. So it's like Boston against uh, like the university of Connecticut or something for their mm -hmm. first, yeah. it's something like that. I, I, yeah. I forget exactly. There's, there, there's stuff to watch and starting to tomorrow, starting tomorrow, Reds baseball takes the field. Uh, and I do want to clarify, I know you guys saw my tweet about uh, the broadcast team. Uh, didn't realize it, but for this first game tomorrow, it's Cleveland's broadcast team that will be handling the duties. Uh, Sadak and Welsh will be on the air Monday with the game for those keeping track at home. Pro tip, you can sync up the broadcast. So a couple of different ways, MLB.TV is the easiest, but you can sync it up if you just watch the game, put it on mute, and then queue up the iHeartRadio app, and you can listen to Tommy and the Cowboy call that game because uh, you'll be able to sync it up that way since it's on such a delay as opposed to actual terrestrial radio. Uh, but I, I, I'm so encouraged from all the different stuff. One of the things we said this offseason, especially you know, we talked about Nick Lodolo, but when we're looking at Hunter Green, we talked about that third pitch. We talked about his fastball command quite a bit, but everyone knows the third pitch is key to him taking a huge next step. And according to observations, he drew whiffs on that third pitch as well as his fastball and his slider. He drew whiffs on the changeup too. Now, I know what you're going to say. It's early in camp and we can't get too 
over optimistic about it, but come on, baby, give me that third pitch. I'm so excited to see him work on that, work that change up into his routine. Hitters aren't gonna know what to do with it. You're not gonna know I what gotta to do tell with you. I got to tell you, I saw this. I saw these reports out of Arizona and I, I was excited like you. Uh, I started where you just said, which was to try and like keep myself calm down. It's early in spring, but I just couldn't get out of the back of my head. That scene from Happy Gilmore where, you know, Happy learned how to putt. You know what I mean? Like Hunter learned how to throw a change up. Oh, my God. It, it's a game changer. I, if, he, if he's got a, a, a change up that plays at the major league level during the during the season he's he's going to be unhittable i i just can't imagine having to get in there and try and look for that you know 100 mile an hour plus fastball followed by the high 90s breaking pitch and then a a low 90s high 80s change up comes i I don't know what you do with that i don't don't know i don't know how you get ready for that there's no way you step in the batter's box and have any idea how you're supposed to time all that stuff all at once. So I think that hitters will have to look for one pitch and they're just going to be fooled by the other two, which is why that third pitch is so key. And there was some other great stuff. I mean, Luis Sessa had some nice uh, BP sessions, whether you're talking about his slider or even his changeup. Like Luis Sessa is a guy who I almost wish, and, and I'm sure that they've talked. I'm sure that it's a scenario where they do collaborate a little bit. Uh, but if Hunter Green could learn Luis Sessa's changeup, then, oh, boy, the sky's the limit because nobody throws. I, I think I'd be fair in saying that nobody throws a better changeup on the Red staff than Luis Sessa does. You know, Sessa had an interesting comment, and we haven't talked about this this week, uh, but Sessa says he's being cautious with what he's doing during batting practice because he doesn't want to hit his teammates. Did you see the play-by-play coming out of Goodyear on the first day of live batting practice they, where was everybody Graham was getting Graham Ashcraft hit yeah. two people. And then uh, somebody t- line drives Graham. A- everybody was getting hit with the baseball. And I'm like, great, you know, season's not even going to get started and we're going to be on player <laughs> number 75. But, you know, I, I do appreciate what Sess is saying that, and it's something to kind of make note of Jeff, because I, I think he's probably not the only pitcher that approaches things this way. Uh, you know, we want them to get their work in and we want them to make these pitches better, but we don't want them to hurt our own players. So another reason to look forward to the game starting tomorrow is that, you know, they can go out there and work on things. And this is what we mean when we say during regular spring training pitching times, you can't really put a lot of stock in what's being done on the mound because pitchers will go out and work on a single pitch. They'll go out and throw an entire inning of nothing but sliders to work on that pitch so that they can do it against players from another team instead of throwing at their own guys. So I think that's an important note to remember. And I just, I was glad Sessa said it out loud. It's a good reminder to not overreact. If some of these guys have a bad inning. Exactly. And, but you know, like these reports, the eye test from Bobby Nightingale pitching looks good. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk about the list of guys because it's a lot of encouraging names who are supposed to pitch tomorrow. They're scheduled to pitch in the game against the Guardians on Saturday. And also, FIP and ECFIP, fielding independent pitching, are important tools to understanding the value of a pitcher's performance. Coming up, we're going to explain why and how Reds pitchers stack up when we use those stats. That's coming up in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I want to shout out one of today's sponsors, and that is Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories, then you've got to try Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually 
tasty. I, I don't know how they've done it, but they've taken 100% real chocolate. They've taken marshmallow. They've combined it. And somehow it's better for you than if you just got a marshmallow and dipped it in chocolate yourself. They've added protein to it. There's 17 grams of protein in some of these bars. And you're talking about 130 calories with only about four grams of sugar. Those are the kind of numbers that when you're reaching for something to give you a little bit of extra fuel, you don't have to worry about what else is coming with that extra fuel. And now you don't need to wait around to get your box. For years, we've been talking about going to built.com and using the promo code locked on 15 to save 15% off. But now you can go down to the store. I was about to say walk down to the store. I don't know if anybody walks down to the store, but you can drive down to the store, walk down to the store. You can segue down. To Not the store. you. You don't walk down to the store. I don't walk down to the store. That's for sure. Uh, because I'm trying to get all these boxes of built bars in my car. Because when you go to Sam's Club, you can get a 13 bar box. You can go to Walmart and get a four bar box. They've got great flavors, especially when you're talking about that big 13 bar box. You can get some churro churro is a phenomenal flavor steve will tell you all about that but you can also get brownie batter in the 13 bar box if you go to walmart you can get double chocolate coconut puffs all the all the great stuff seriously go to built.com or go to the store at walmart or sam's club and get you some built bar today and you can thank me later coming up on monday we will have actual spring training baseball games to talk about seriously steve and i are very excited about this we're going to be seeing lots of performances when it comes to on the mound when it comes to in the batter's box out in the field we've talked about the defense and how the reds need to get better at catching the ball will we see it in the first couple of games in spring training find out we'll be talking about it but i'll tell you what we will be seeing because the reds have announced who is pitching on saturday and that is exciting to me because the list I mean, I mean, it's chock full. There's not one name on this list that I see and I say, oh, that guy's not going, that guy's no chance to break camp with the team. Literally every name on this list does. No, I, I'm, and I love that they put out the whole program for the game. Uh, it's, yeah. it's very good. Let's just dive into this. We've talked about Brandon Williamson. He'll be getting the, the Cactus League opening start for the Cincinnati Reds. He's going to be followed up by Daniel Norris, Fernando Cruz, your guy, Daniel Duarte, uh, Ricky Karcher comes in, Derek Law, Reaver San Martin, Buck Farmer, not to be confused with uh, Kyle Farmer, and then Lucas Sims is going to wrap things up. Uh, out of this, I am super excited, especially for the opening and the closing of this game in seeing what Brandon Williamson has brought to Arizona in an effort to make this rotation and then seeing how Lucas Sims looks coming back off of that injury that shut him down last year. Yeah. The return of the fieriness that Lucas Sims brings to the mound is just going to be so welcome. And, and yeah, Daniel Duarte is a guy that I, I think we saw not nearly enough of at the beginning of last year before he got hurt and was out for much of the season. So I think he's definitely got a longer hill to climb this time around. He was one of the last couple of guys on the roster last year, and now he's a non-roster invitee. He would have to be added to the 40-man roster to make the team, but he showed some talent, and I'm interested to see what that is. The other guy on this list that really jumps out to me, and we haven't talked about him a lot, is a guy who came over from the Tigers, Daniel Norris, left-handed pitcher for him. Another guy who could be on the list of potential bullpen uh, pieces, especially from that left side. Again, that Bennett Sousa guy is the guy that's on the 40-man roster. Daniel Norris and Alex Young are two lefties who are non-roster invitees that would have to be 
added to the roster for that. And then it's nice, you know, you've got a couple of guys in here like Rivar San Martin who are just trying to get some work in before they head off to their World Baseball Classic team and and really get some competition rolling. Yeah, this is a good group. And, you know, Buck Farmer being in this, I, I'm kind of yeah. interested to see how he's handled and how he looks because, you know, you've been kind of in on him much more quickly than I have. And I'm coming around the more I look through, you know, how he actually performed last season and, and what's being said about him this year. You know, a middle innings guy, if it, I'm starting to get on board, Jeff, is what I'm saying. The, yeah, I believe it, he, he could be a valuable piece in those middle innings. I 100% agree with that. I'm not saying that he should be considered as bullpen ace 1C or 1D or whatever, but I like him in the role of middle innings eater. And actually, he's a, he's a good segue to our next topic. We talk about FIP because looking at FIP, before we really dive into what that is, had he pitched a few more innings, he would have qualified to be on the list that we're going to talk about for the Reds, and he would have had the best FIP on the team which is very encouraging. So what is FIP? It's a better way of explaining a pitcher's performance. It's better than ERA. And then we'll get into XFIP in a minute. XFIP is more of a predictor stat, but I, we like to use both of these. I especially love to use both of these when we're talking about pitching because ultimately it's, it's a statistic that attempts to take away the luck factor that uh, you know goes into a pitcher's ERA. Yeah, and 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 I like just trying to find something besides ERA. You know, I I'm to the point where ERA wins and losses just they don't get it done anymore. Uh, wins and losses was great when starting pitchers were going nine innings, and that's a separate argument for a separate day. If if y'all want to talk about that, or maybe we'll talk about it in the next segment. But uh, you know, for me, it's just gone by the wayside. And same with 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 ERA because. I just don't know that it's it's a fair way to judge a pitcher, especially in today's game. So it's better for starters than relievers. Definitely. Yeah, especially for relievers. One bad outing and a guy looks horrible for three months, and you know you you miss the fact that nobody else has got a hit off of him since he had that one bad inning. You know, so I, I like trying to come up with something now with FIP. Uh, you know, the pitching, the new pitching stats, and we say new. Uh, you know, I've I've struggled to adapt to them as well. Jeff's really brought uh, brought me a long way, so I'm gonna let him walk you through how the FIP statistic actually takes the takes the luck away in in judging a pitcher. Yeah, and I'm not gonna I'm not expecting because I don't calculate them. I just I look at what Fangraph says and I look at what Baseball Reference says, and we talk about that. But the way that they calculate FIP, they take away hits. Uh, and, and things like that. They take away like errors and all that stuff, which I don't think you know, I take it back. Errors don't factor into ERA, but ERA, what that does is it tells a, it tells, it does a good job of telling how many runs were scored while the pitcher was on the mound, but they don't necessarily tell us how well the pitcher performed because the number of runs a pitcher allows is also dependent on the defense behind that pitcher luck and the order of which events happen. Because think about it, like a, a starter could leave the game with a guy on second base, and but he's still, you know, on the hook for that runner. So if you bring in a relief pitcher who loves to allow inherited runs to score, hey, Hunter Strickland. One, yeah, wasn't that hitter's fault. Um, or I mean, wasn't that starting pitcher's fault. But yeah, still, like FIP is an attempt to isolate the performance of the pitcher 
by only using the outcomes we know uh, do not involve luck on balls in play or defense, strikeouts, or, or defense. So strikeouts, walks, hit batsmen, and home runs allowed. Those are the those are the statistics that FIP um, focuses on. So that's how they derive these numbers, and that's why FIP always looks different from ERA. So to to say that you know to to say that back to you to make sure we've all got that right. Basically, FIP deals with only the thing the actual pitcher has control over: striking a guy out, walking him, hitting him, or giving up a home run. That's all that FIP takes into account. And the basic the basic explanation of this is, you know, sometimes I'll say, well, a pitcher is getting unlucky or a pitcher is getting lucky. And this is one of the reasons why, because FIP will say, well, this is what their ERA should look like as to what opposed what the ERA is actually saying. And this is where batting average on balls and play comes in to play quite a bit. Um, uh, let me show you the graph from last season. Now it's going to have a couple of names that got traded. Luis Castillo, obviously the FIP leader for the Reds last season. Alexis Diaz, number two. Now, it's interesting to note because Alexis Diaz ERA was much different than that. It was much better than that. So that's telling you. And again, relief pitching is a much smaller sample size than starting pitching, but it's telling you that Alexis Diaz was getting a little lucky. However, he is a good pitcher. So I'm not thinking that he's just a lucky pitcher. He's a good pitcher. You got Tyler Malley. Nick Lodolo had a better FIP than his ERA. Joel Kunal is an interesting name on this list, and we're going to see him again whenever I show the XFIP graph here. He is a guy that I continue to look at and say, you know what? I think when you talk about this Reds roster, he might be a lock, and that's why I had him as a lock for the bullpen because he actually has some better stats than I think we give him credit for. He's not a guy that we think about a whole lot. And then you have Graham Ashcraft and Hunter Green rounding out the top fielding independent uh, pitchers for the Reds. So a, a good way to say this for folks that are trying to learn this statistic, and this is where I started when Jeff first started bringing me along on the FIP. If you're going to look at FIP and you just want to find a way to utilize it, even if you don't quite understand it yet, look at a pitcher's FIP, just like Jeff was saying, look at their ERA. If the FIP is lower than the ERA, the pitcher was unlucky. He had some bad defense behind him. Things happened that were outside of his control. If it's the other way around, if the ERA is lower than the FIP, the FIP is higher, that means that the pitcher got lucky. Uh, he had gold glove defense behind him. Somebody made an amazing play. Somebody did something that was outside of the pitcher's control that helped him. And, and that's a way for you to kind of judge what's going on on the field. You can combine that with whatever method you want to use. Look at his you know, traditional counting type stats you know, things we've always used, look at your eye test and, and combine all of these things. It's just another piece in painting the picture of how a guy's doing on the field. Exactly. And, you know, I think I'm going to hold XFIP. We'll talk about XFIP next week because FIP in and of itself is a pretty, it's a deep thing to really understand, but just, yeah, like Steve said, the easiest way to understand what FIP is, and we're going to be using this stat quite a bit. So you're going to hear this stat a lot this year, but FIP is just a better way to understand what a pitcher has done. And I, I think we're going to see a lot better numbers on that this season with, uh, you know, with Hunter Green, Nicola Dolo, Graham Ashcraft, those guys, as well as the relief pitchers. All right. Well, now that we uh, have broken down the FIP, we can get the FIP out of this conversation and move in to my favorite part of the show, Jeffrey. We are going to get to put the uh, viewers 
in the driver's seat, taking their questions and comments. But before we get to that, uh, I would like to talk to you about the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, the midway point of the NBA season has come and gone, and that means there's still basketball to bet on. So it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, uh, because new customers are going to get a new sweat, a new, a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right. You're going to get bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win up to $1,000. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, if you're not interested in uh, betting on basketball, you can get in on some Major League Baseball futures. Uh, there's some good stuff out there. The Reds uh, are 60 to 1 <laughs> odds to win the National League Central. Um, if you're willing to put a few bucks down and listen, you can put a couple bucks down and it's a big return. If you're willing to, you know, throw it at the, the hopes that these uh, rookies hit a lot sooner than we think they're gonna, uh, but 60 to one odds on the reds to win the national league central, you know, in other words, LA de la Cruz has better odds of winning uh, rookie of the year than the reds have of winning the division. Whew. Yeah. It's going to be fun year either way, guys. So don't miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the, excuse me, of the NBA. Whew, I tried to fight off that sneeze, guys. What an ad read. Boy, I just stumbled all the way around on that one, Jeff. Uh, it was an athletic feat. <laughs> wow. And now that sports betting is legal in Ohio and I'm done sneezing all over the place, uh, Locked On has the perfect show to help new and seasoned gamblers get all the information they need to place their bets. You can download and subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast for daily picks and analysis. Locked On Bets is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow this podcast on all podcasting platforms, including right here on YouTube. If you've joined us live today, thanks for being here. I love this live show every week. Can't wait to get into your questions and comments. Uh, in between shows, make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. Spelling's always been a challenge for him. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. All right, Jeff, uh, this is my favorite part of the show. Let's yeah. get into it. We're going to get into the questions and the comments. Uh, I'm going to start scrolling here, but uh, we'll uh, we'll start right here with David, who's checking in with us. He says, hey, Locked on Reds, the Reds uh, have to go Williamson in the four spot. I would really like to see another rookie in the five spot, too. Wins and losses means nothing in 2023. They need to be thinking about what is best for 2024 and beyond. He says 2024 through 30. Uh, what do you think here, Jeff? I, I mean, I see a scenario where two of these guys, two rookies, four and five, and we talked about this earlier in the week. Uh, you know, I think the Reds really want there to be a more, and, and when we say veteran, it's kind of comical because no, they don't really have a solid veteran starting pitcher. But, you know, I, I've speculated they would really much prefer to see Weaver or Sessa in the four spot followed by a rookie. But there are some scenarios where it could be Williamson and Abbott, Williamson and Stout. Uh, it's possible. I think that assuming health, I think that there should be more 
more percentage of games played by rookie starting pitchers this year or or sophomore starting pitchers in you know Greenland Ola and Ashcraft then there should be veteran starting pitch and make no mistake about it we talked about this the idea that we have veteran starting pitchers in this rotation competition is like saying that I am a gym veteran I go to the gym I, I think that's about where that distinction ends and and these guys have pitched before not really that good so when you were looking at these veteran competition pieces they're they're not as good as what these rookies could be the ceiling is so much higher on brandon williamson levi stout andrew abbott than connor overton or louis sessa or luke weaver so i i still think yes it's nice to have that stabilizing presence there but at the end of the day what is most valuable to this team is like david said figuring out what is best for 2024 through 2030 because this team cannot stand this fan base cannot stand a prolonged rebuild they gotta make it quick i'm gonna tell you that i just missed everything you said because i lost my audio i got it back but i missed all that so if you i said a lot of really good things it's the smartest thing ever i'll watch it it on the replay but if you threw back (laughs) anything i totally missed it sorry um I love this from Mark. I, I chuckled at this. Uh, everyone get your drink. <laughs> Not make Steve drink alone. Yes, you guys, most of the time, the Aloha Friday show is also the end of my work week. You see coffee today because I'm on call this afternoon. So I'm <laughs> yeah. a good boy. But yeah, let's do that next week. That would be fun. Let's have bourbon and talk baseball together. That would be mind fantastic. That. Got some good stuff from New Riff the other day. I'm, I'm excited about we're going to do that, Jeff, or, or you know, maybe a, a special live uh, post game edition, one of these spring training games. We'll we'll mm. go live. We'll we'll sip some bourbon and bourbon we'll and talk about the game we just watched. I, like I think that. I think that could be a thing that happens. Uh, Dave Pemberton checks in. Dave, we love that you watch every week. Appreciate you. Dave is a, a good friend of, of Jeff's and becoming a friend of mine. And we're all going to hang out on opening day. I'm looking really forward to that. Dave yeah. says, what are our thoughts on the economic reform committee formed by MLB? Uh, sounds like the beginning stages of a much needed salary cap. Hopefully one similar to the NFL style. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, yes, I agree. Baseball needs a dramatic economic overhaul. Uh, this economic reform committee that MLB is forming is going to make recommendations that the players are going to be nowhere near willing to agree to. Uh, here's the here's where I struggle with Major League Baseball imposing a salary cap and overhauling the economic structure. It's going to take a really, really big enticement to get the players to give up what they've got right now. I mean, you're going to be asking for them to, to sign away the ability to make a $400 million contract. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, I don't know what, what could baseball give Jeff? What, what could the trade be to get the players to agree to make less money, to agree to non-guaranteed contracts? I mean, what, what would that have to look like? I wonder if a shorter season's on the table. I wonder if you're talking about a 120 game season or, you know, 130 game season, something like that. Not nothing, nothing like 2020. We're not talking about 60 games here, but you know, like something where you're not playing in the cold as much as you can help it. Unless you live in Minnesota, it's just like cold all year up there. Uh, but you know, or, or Seattle, it's always rainy. Uh, but I think for the most part, there's gotta be some sort of big concession like that. And I think that, uh, you know, us saying shorter season, everybody gets a little bit, you know, 
oh boy, I don't know about that, but there's got to be something big in there. And I think that a shorter season and, and maybe to the point where you're almost like the NBA, where you guarantee every team gets so many max contracts. And we'll say like, this is, you know, you can get a $400 million contract or something like that. Like Shohei Utani's about to get a $500 million contract next year. If he hits the free agent market or if the angels give it to him. Uh, but I think that there's going to be those sort of concessions need to be made. Make no mistake about it. Both sides have been preparing for this. The, the players are ready to fight, but the owners are ready to fight too. This is something, and I think we saw it, just a taste of it, because I think what was going on behind closed doors wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, for the last CBA. I don't think it was necessarily they were trying to implement a salary cap, but the players saw that everything that the owners were doing were posturing for that. Yeah, and, and Mark kind of gets where I am on this. Uh, players are going to strike before there's a salary cap. I think yeah. before there's a major economic overhaul in baseball, folks, I think we'll lose an entire season plus. There will be a year of no baseball in order to get this done. This is this is something that can't get worked out uh, in a in a short period of time. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a dogfight. It's going to be. And you and me battle. will get MLB the show, and and we'll pretend to be the Reds owners and see if we can fix them. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, halfway through, you're gonna ask everybody where they're gonna go, and it's gonna be a whole thing. Because hey, that same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is this what is Malachi. What is your yeah Malachi? What is your opinion on the shift being gone this year, and will it help guys like Jonathan India defensively be better this year? Um, well, I don't think it's gonna help Jonathan. His his. I don't his, think the shift his, is what's going to help him. No, it's him, cutting him getting in shape. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's going to help. As far as the shift goes, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think people are going to – I think we're making a much bigger deal out of the shift being gone than what it's actually going to mean because I think teams are going to get creative pretty quickly. Uh, there's nothing in the banning of the shift that prevents you from moving the left fielder into short right field. There's nothing that prevents you from uh, your outfield alignment. So – they could do that. You can you can move the center fielder to short right. You can move the left over to center, and it's still a shift. You're still covering that hole that the lefties like to plop the ball into, and you're still following the rules. I think unorthodox general managers are going to get exposed very quickly because, and, and to an extent, Dick Williams was kind of this way when he built his roster, but there were guys who don't pay attention to position, and they're just like, well, we can shift. We can cover up their defensive inefficiencies and things like that now you can't do that at least not to the extent that you could and i don't necessarily know that you know a potential because we've talked about this off air you know wait for who's going to be the first team to bring their left fielder over and put him in that shallow right field spot you know where they would put the third baseman or the shortstop or whoever uh there to cut off that low line drive from a left-handed bat something like that i i don't know that there's going to be enough teams willing to do that there might be a couple but I don't think there's going to be enough. And I, I think those who do that will get exposed very quickly. So I think that this is really just going to show the inadequacies of teams who thought they could build a roster without an athletic shortstop or with a bat first second baseman who has very little range or something like that. So I, I'm very interested to see how it affects them. I think hitting-wise, I don't necessarily know. My, my only take is guys who hit the ball like Joey Votto with those shallow line drives that are singles to right field, those guys are going to benefit. But 
How many Joey Votos are there in the world, Steve? This is true. There's just one, and I can't wait for him to be back on the field. And on that note, for the audio only, YouTube folks, stay here. For the audio only, that is going to do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. The rest of our Q&A will be available in your feed a little bit later as a bonus episode. Uh, YouTube folks, we're going to keep on keeping on right after we wrap up. Uh, coming up on Monday, audio folks, uh, we're going to continue to look at spring training. We're going to have actual baseball to talk about. Uh, more than one, it's going to be exciting. Jeff and I are just so pumped up over baseball yeah. being back. Thanks for making Locked on Red your first listen. Now make your second listen, the MLB Prospects Podcast. Lindsey Crosby, the host over there, is a prospect encyclopedia, and he has got all of the information you need on Major League Baseball's Stars of Tomorrow today. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like Locked on Reds, where we will keep you Locked on Reds every single day.